Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All About Reality. We've been gone for a minute, but we promised we were preparing someone great for you, and we delivered on that. The Ryan McDowell, perhaps one of the leading voices, one of the more foremost voices in Dynasty, is going to join us and help you shape up your roster for years to come on your Reality Sports Online teams. Ryan, welcome to the program, and tell us where we can go looking for you for insights beyond the podcast after they after they hear you tonight. Uh, sure, guys. Thank, thanks for having me, first of all. I'm excited to, uh, to to join you guys tonight and chat Dynasty. And um, yeah, as far as finding me, you can uh, find me on Twitter at RyanMC23. I do some work mostly at Dynasty League Football, but over at Roto World 2. I've got the Dynasty Command Center, uh, which you guys can check out as well. Awesome. Thanks, man. And Goody, welcome back. It's been a long time, my friend. Uh, I think I'm in the presence of greatness here between between Ryan's dynasty advice and what you're doing in the Scott Fishbowl. I think as of week four, you were number one overall. I think now you slipped to number nine, but five and oh, I mean, some there's going to be some kids getting some good toys this year. I know I'm donating, matching what your win total, Stephen from RSO from Reality Sports Online is, and then Ryan Benini. So I'm thrilled, thrilled to have the success with that. Also, you know, our little experiment of co-managing a team, which is always difficult. In the podcast league, we're 5-0, and um, team reality check, scoring the most points in the league. Um, so re- really happy with how that's turning out. But um, I'm, I'm excited to be back, especially to talk extensions. I think that's what everyone's on. Extensions and trades, I think, are really what are on people's minds in the reality sports online community. And I, I think we have somebody who – does more to get the pulse of the dynasty community than almost than anyone out there and Ryan. So um, Ryan, welcome. Very happy to have you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So Ryan, I think that's a decent starting point for us. You, you have become ubiquitous and, and your name is out there. Anybody that goes looking for information about dynasty league football will, will usually run into you like some kind of Virgil walking us down into the depths of a, into the depths of dynasty. So can you tell me where that, how you carved out that particular niche and, and how you developed it, stuck with it, and, and, and have become such a proponent and force for it in our community? Sure. So when I started playing fantasy, uh, I guess it's been about 10, 12, 15 years now. It's, it kind of runs together. Uh, but when I started, I started with the Dynasty League. A friend of mine, a co-worker, invited me to join his league. Uh, of course, I was obviously familiar with fantasy, but didn't really know much about dynasty other than what he had kind of shared with me about his league. But like so many of, uh, of the guys kind of in our age range, I grew up playing Madden and, and these video games where the, the off season, right. The, the management and making trades and drafting, that was, that was the, the best part. Uh, so everything that he had told me just seemed like it would be something I would, uh, I would really love. So started playing dynasty, uh, started, being active on message boards and things like that. And pretty much right away found myself being the most active member in, in any of my leagues. Uh, and then I think really the, the game changer for me was Twitter. Once I joined Twitter, kind of carried that activity over there. Um, some of the guys at Dynasty League Football uh, eventually asked me to, to join on with them. And, and that's kind of been the beginning of it. That's awesome, and it, so it's pretty straightforward. You found your way in. You've got you've got the distinctive voice that everybody can. Whenever you show up on a pod, people know that you're there, and uh, 
And now you're with us. And so Goody, you did a great job gathering some data from Kyle. And as you said, we are in one of my favorite weeks of the season on the RSO platform when you can start last week, you could start kicking extensions at your players. There's a, there's some crazy idiosyncrasies to the algorithm and it's awesome and it's fun and it produces some really like interesting buying opportunities. Now other people in the league can check out the extensions even on your team so they know what they'd be trading for. So let's let's tee uh let's tee this master of dynasty up a little bit. Why don't you give them some of the some of the most extended players that you're interested in in Goody and we'll we'll hear Ryan react to some of the salaries and some of the some of the length of those salaries that are being tossed at players in the extensions. Sure. One quick aside, just because I got, I did get a question on Twitter on this privately. Um, this in-season extension is different than the fifth-year first-round player option. So if, if you have a guy like Todd Gurley who you picked up in a rookie draft, um, that would have already happened in the, in the offseason. So it's uh, next offseason will be the, the new class. So, for instance, if you thought you could – preserve Todd Gurley on the transition tag for a year and then extend someone like Stefan Diggs. Unfortunately, you can't do both. You do have the franchise tag available in the offseason, but in, in terms of gaming and strategizing and, and getting players on that extension cycle and, and figuring out how to basically maximize the value of that, whether that be a trade or extending players yourself, um, that's all part of the equation that we've talked about, kind of ad nauseum this offseason and whatnot. In terms of specific players, um, I, I, I'm not sure that people would be surprised by this, but we'll, we'll start off with the most extended player. Um, this was also just based on week five data. So we did basically players who were extended more than five times, made up the majority of, of those guys at what their offers were. And the first one was David Johnson, 22 extensions. Um, average length four years, um, average contract about 79 million. It's about 19.7 million annual value. And I think with that, a, a lot of the running back extensions, depending on what the leagues are, um, that value is really determined by a lot of people drafting running backs on, on rookie wage scale. So that the extension for the running back position may be more appealing than a wide, say the wide receiver position, which has you know, you're paying for uh, you're paying for established stars from the get-go and not necessarily drafting them in your rookie draft. So, Ryan, Ryan what do you think about give, giving someone like David Johnson, who's 27 years old, four years and about, you know, $80 million on a $177 million cap? You know, I mean, DJ is obviously a, a tough guy to, to, to really value in the long term right now just with the start that he's had. But we've also got that that history on him. And to me, he, we still have to value him as one of the elite backs in, in the game. And if you can lock him up for four years in this format, I think you have to do it. I think it's 11% of the, of your total cap essentially at the 19 million number or around that. Yeah. Just uh, about. Yeah. That, that kind of seems like a value to me actually. Awesome. And you're comfortable with in building that way around a running back. And, and I tend to agree with you. I love to get cornerstone running back along the way. But this is going to carry him into his age 30 season. You're going to pay, be paying him over $20,000 a year in his age 30 season. That's something you're you're comfortable kind of kicking that decision that can down the road? Well, I wouldn't say comfortable, but I think one of the great things about RSO is that it it so closely mimics the NFL, right? And, and NFL teams are in this position every single year that they have to give these contracts. And we see it a lot at, at quarterback especially, but they have to give these 
long-term extensions and they know when it gets to that point that they're not going to be, they're not going to be comfortable. That player's not going to be worth that salary at that time when they're 30, 31, 32 years old, whatever it might be. Of course, the NFL, usually the NFL teams usually have an out. Uh, it's a, it's a little more costly in RSO, a, a little more painful to, to make some of those cuts. I know, but yeah, again, if you, you can lock DJ up for four years, even, uh, even though he'll be pushing 30 by the end of that deal, I, I still think you just have to do it. And good to you. So that's one vote it, kind of resoundingly in favor of DJ. What do you, where are you sitting on this one? Good. Would you be comfortable locking the boy up for a, for four more seasons? Yeah. I mean, I, I still like the value 20, $20 million to me feels pretty, pretty good, especially we're not going to talk about every player who was extended heavily, but that, I mean, that's representing a $14 million discount compared to Todd Gurley. Um, also a $10 million, uh, actually $11 million from Ezekiel Elliott and OBJ, obviously he's a receiver. So I, I mean, I, I think that based on that historic season that David Johnson had his role in the passing game, if, you, you figure you figure out some of those things a young dynamic quarterback in, in Josh Rosen and a dynamic receiver and in, in Christian Kirk who kind of flashed recently I, I mean I, I think the kind of the cornerstones are there for that offense and he got the contract extension in Arizona so you're not necessarily worrying about him going to a fantasy wasteland so to speak if if Arizona can you know be a little more dynamic play calling. Yeah, it's interesting that you characterize that way. And listen, he is one of my all-time favorite players. He's he's one of the players that whose jersey I want to buy because he carried me to a fantasy championship. Um, but is there a place that's a significant downgrade? Like, isn't Arizona the actual fantasy weight sign at the moment? Like, do we see like a light at the end of the tunnel organizationally for him? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a tough question. And again, you're thinking you're thinking long term and and short term at the same time, uh, which is what happens every year. You know, we spend we spend all off season dynasty players spend all off season uh, building those pretty rosters and, and getting young talent and focusing on rookie drafts. And then once the season starts, we just want the players that are go- going to produce and and value gets kind of flipped on its ear. And then it, and then it's really confusing when. You've got a guy like David Johnson who's traditionally been uh, not only a, a top starter, but maybe considered the best running back in the league at, at one point. Um, so, yeah, you just have to kind of temper your expectations, maybe change the value, your, change your evaluation of him. But I, I'm still holding firm. When I see that 11% for David Johnson, I, I feel pretty good about that. And that's a good insight. I think you and and Goody ha- tend to have a better and more specific calculus in terms of, of evaluating because of your cap, your salary cap league experience. You think of it in terms of percentages of the cap, and like in terms of the way that I game on this. Like uh, Goody, how many running backs in your mind, off the top of your head, would you put ahead of like? Just give me a number. You don't have to give me the backs. How many? How? What's the number of running backs you would put ahead of David Johnson in terms of ones that you would desire in a vacuum on your fantasy team right now? I'd probably say ballpark around five. I would say. Okay, and so and and with Ryan starting us down this path, I tend to I tend to agree. I would have it at most six or seven. So I I think you guys are totally right, and I would encourage all of our listeners to to snap him up. And it seems people are doing it with twenty two extensions, the most extended player. 
this this one isn't the most difficult call and i think i think we're all kind of of a mind on on getting david johnson while you can at this rate i, I think there's still a light at the end of the tunnel even this season for him as you say if, if rosen starts popping a little bit yeah. so i do have a question for ryan while i'm thinking about it on specific to david johnson and i think this theme will come up so so say you're the team that just signed just extended david johnson for four years and 79 million 11 percent of cap like you say what type of assets is it going to take from another team for you to flip David Johnson um, based on the newly minted contract? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I would say, at least based on on my experience in RSO, I, I wouldn't think that would be too common. You guys would know much more than I do, but um, j- just like in the NFL, again, once you lock that player up, to me, I think it becomes much harder to to part with them. Uh, in Johnson's case, I think, as you said, Goody, I think there's th- there's a handful of running backs at least that if you could uh, flip him for one of them, uh, of course, the, it, it all comes down to contract status. But just mm-hmm. as far as what you're expecting for production this year, uh, I would agree with you that there's there's a handful of running backs that I would make that deal for. Now, of course, if they're expiring and you've got to worry about contract status uh, in the off season that, that changes things. For sure. And I think let's do some comparative analysis here. Uh, Goody, you, you put two running backs in front of us in terms of the data that I think are an interesting, uh, would help with the calculus. So Melvin Gordon, who's largely perceived as a lesser talent in the community is, is coming in at a $29 million per year extension over the course of four years. And then Jordan Howard, who perhaps would represent a totally different tier is coming in for four years at 52 million over it, which is only 13 million per year. So we have Jordan Howard at 13 million per year. We have Melvin Gordon at the top of the scale, 29 million per year. Uh, And then we have David Johnson coming in between. Uh, I'll start with you, Goody. When you, when you analyze those backs in that context, if you could take a shot at one of them, which one would you pick? I I think Johnson kind of hits the median of, potential production with up with upside on that so I, I i think that in order for me to get excited about howard at the same level of johnson someone's got to give me probably a, a first rounder that i'm throwing in the middle of the first round in the rookie draft in addition to howard for someone like david johnson um i i you know i don't think that melvin gordon is 10 million dollars better than david johnson at the at this point, I mean, I think yes, he probably has has more value. He's you know you know a more established kind of predictable offense with you know even even with less competition in his own backfield. I I feel his role is is on a weekly basis is more carved out at this point. Uh, but yeah, I I think I get, of those three, I'd rather have David Johnson. I don't think it's close based on his contract. And how about you, Ryan? Like with those three and those three salary tiers, what are you what are you thinking on that prospect? Yeah, I, I totally agree. To me, it's it's Johnson that I want there. Uh, I, I, thinking about and, and comparing Johnson versus Gordon, even in in a typical dynasty league, non contract, uh, non salary, I, I think you can still make a case. I know many people have moved Gordon ahead of of Johnson in their rankings or in their evaluation, and, and that's fair. But I think you can still make a case that that they're similar value. So that ten million dollar difference, uh, again, agreeing with Goody, it, it's it's just too much. 
So as you guys evaluate people from a long-term perspective, you seem to value their talent. And, and what I'm hearing from both of you that you regard David Johnson as the, as the talent with the most upside, even despite, I guess, the situational advantage that the, the Chargers seem to offer in terms of like a much more powerful offense, a much more established quarterback. Um, so is it fair to say that both of you find yourselves leaning towards the, the innate talent of a player over the trying to, to sift through these situational factors when you're making a call on a contract or a dynasty player? Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Is that, is that a fair assessment of how you play? Yeah, I think so. And, and again, when the contracts are factored in, that, that's just a, a new level, a new element to consider. Um, so it, in Johnson's case, I'm getting a $10 million discount and I'm getting the player who I consider more talented. Uh, the situation certainly is not as good as Gordon's right now, but uh, for $10 million less, the better talent, I feel good about that. Nice. So, Goody, we're banding about these good names or these big names, rather, and good names. Um, and you can certainly weigh in there, and then and then take us a different direction with some of these extensions. You you, you dug deep on that data, so th start throwing someone else at us too. Right. Uh, I I want to. I mean, we've talked about Stefan Diggs. I think every episode because we both love him. So I I want to skip <laughs> him this time. Um, and guys like OBJ and Gurley and, and Cooks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Michael Thomas. Um, you know, the Saints, um, not to be confused with Mike Thomas of the Rams, who kind of comes both in RSO auctions with the same name and, and can confuse people who aren't paying attention, like um, Devontae Cleveland told me a story about that. Um, in any event, Michael Thomas, four years, $133.2 million. It's about $33.3 million a year, which, you know, is – I think the biggest of any of these average yearly salaries that, that we're seeing for the ex the high volume extended player. And, um, and we haven't talked about Michael Thomas much on the podcast. And, and I, I mean, I, I heard, you know, on Monday night football, those guys, I think Witten was saying for him, he was maybe his top receiver and Booger McFarland kind of, you know, still stuck with AB, but uh, you know, what, what are we thinking about Michael Thomas at 33.3 million average salary on, on a four year deal in that saints offense? Uh, to me, slight, slightly overvalued at that number, but, but not by much. You mentioned uh, Beckham in there at around uh, $30 million, I believe. So there has been kind of a push that, uh, that Thomas is the wide receiver one in Dynasty now. To me, it's a difference of full Dynasty versus RSO and, and the contract and the salary. I, I, I do think that has to change the way you build a team. Uh, for a long time, I've I've talked about building around wide receivers, building around youth, and stacking draft picks and things like that. And I I came into my first RSO league with that strategy and got killed uh, because that's that's not going to work in RSO. You you veterans gain more value, young players, rookies especially lose more value, uh, even though they typically have nice contracts. They're not going in general, not going to produce immediately. And you've, you know, you've got to factor that in. Um, so in Thomas's case, I would love to have him on my team. I don't have any issue if you want to rank him as the, the wide receiver one or, or to even say he should be uh, the most expensive receiver in, in RSO leagues. But I would probably just 
maybe split that money in half and try to get a couple of guys. Yeah. Yeah. I would echo that. I, I love Michael Thomas. I love what Drew Brees is doing in this league, in, in our RSO podcast league. I, but when a player reaches the point when they're publicly declaring they'd be willing to retire if they win the Super Bowl, that means to me that their mind has already shifted beyond the game to the next stage of their life. And, and no one's going to suggest that Drew Brees isn't playing at an elite level now and probably couldn't play at an elite level next season. But for example, Devontae Adams is coming in at $22 million per year for a four-year contract. And would any of us sitting here be shocked if, we, if three years down the road, Devontae Adams is far outperforming Michael Thomas because he's tethered to, to A-Rod and – like and he doesn't have to worry about breaking in a new quarterback in in New Orleans. And so I think I think I too would prefer to I would offer that extension in a heartbeat, but I would immediately try to capitalize on all this goodwill around Michael Thomas and the buzz in the dynasty community to split it for two assets that I love um, more than him. What do you think, Goody? Oh, I, I mean, just kind of looking at these contract fouls, not that everybody has the same assets on their team, you know, because you're not really getting two offers, but a guy who, you know, if you, t- if you took the 33.3 million and split it up in different ways, you could, for, to almost make yourself whole, you got Kenny Galladay, three years, 42 million, around 14 million a year. And then, you know, add that to, like maybe add that to a guy Devonte Adams at twenty two million, like yeah. you said, and, yeah. and you're spending a little bit more money in, in having both those guys. And I think, I, I mean, I think one of the drawbacks maybe to you guys perception wise on on Thomas is that he's kind of like you know he's kind of like the Anquan Bolden super strong slot receiver who maybe doesn't you know like score deep touchdowns and have kind of like that that ability to take it to the house like a DeAndre Hopkins or an AB has. I, I think, I think that like rings in people's minds being, being that being like the lid off the guy you can take to the house on any play versus a guy who kind of is the, is the PPR like reception plus yardage machine basically. So I, I, I think that, I think that's hard in, in to figure out in the R on the RSO side because you know, when you're dealing with a dozen or so elite receivers, you kind of have different types of receivers who achieve their production in different ways. Yeah, and it, we should we should allude to what Ryan just said too, and we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast in in prior days. But Ryan spoke about if you tried to build, and the same thing happened to me when I first did the the writer the RSO Writers League. If you try to build around talented wide receivers. Uh, with an eye to the future, Matt, my, your team just gets crushed if they're not if it's not willing to compete the first year that you're doing it. And I think and it becomes a difficult a slog then because uh, you're you're often the the bridesmaid and never the bride at that point. Goody, do you think uh, do you find yourself more focused on the present? And we we've played this way a little bit now as we share a team in our the podcast league. But are, do you find yourself treating RSO more like? Um, more and more like a redraft league the longer you play it i yes but the you know i try to stockpile running backs and guys i think you know have very high upside in in the rookie drafts i mean i think that 
yes, I'll pay for an established receiver. I or two I, in a startup. I I like to have one one of the those handful of running backs like we did in the podcast league with McCaffrey, even though his you know he wasn't necessarily as proven as some of the other guys. You know, like, even in like last year's Cream Hunt. So I I yeah I I, th- I think that ver- I think it varies, but I I. I do treat some of this, some of this like redraft too, and and I, and I think you can't underestimate the importance of just being active on the waiver wire and and being smart about trades and free agency. Sounds good. And Ryan, this is kind of the moment that Goody and I were really hoping to get to with you. Uh, Kevin O'Brien, the fantasy football engineer, talks about borrowing brilliance. So, can you give us some names that we ought to be go ought we ought to go, to go chase as RSO GMs? Like who 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 should we go try to hit up their owners at this moment and lock them up on our rosters if if we're going to go chasing guys that that blend that this season and RSO future output? Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's a big question, and to me, I'm I'm typically this time of year chasing these veterans that can really put me over the top. Uh, assuming I'm a contender and it, it's been interesting this year that we've got, we've got some young players who are really jumping up in value. You, you mentioned Kenny Galladay. He's certainly one of them and, and his new uh, contract is extension reflects just how much value he's gained. Uh, you know, we talk at DLF, we talk a lot about ADP and how we hope at least that that reflects value. But these these contract extensions do a great job of that too, uh, just showing the difference. Uh, you know, I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I'm sure Galladay's contract prior to this these extensions uh, was was much much cheaper. I, I got I got him for about I think like three years, twenty five million or so in the auction. So yeah, about half of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so back back to the question. Yeah, just really veterans. Um, Typically, short-term uh, guys that uh, that I think again can put me over the top. There's always plenty of quarterbacks uh, in that situation. Uh, running backs, a, a few players that I've been looking to add recently: uh, James White, Javorius Allen, uh, you know, T.J. Yeldon. I think some of those are probably viewed as as boring players, but when you can stick them in your lineup and, and kind of feel comfortable with the production they're going to give you, uh, that that you know, that's a big, uh, a big safety net on a weekly basis. Yeah. Talk, talk about a couple guys that aren't boring, but fit that veteran category for you. So I want to, I want to hear your thoughts on, on Marshawn Lynch beast mode and on the Irish dancer who hasn't really performed to the level that people thought he would, um, in Baltimore. So if I, if I'm telling rest of season and roughly the same price, Alex Collins or Marshawn Lynch, who do you want, who do you think we ought to pursue there? I think it's got to it's got to be beast mode. I think he's he's performed uh, definitely much better than than I expected, and and he's a guy in, in dynasty formats that was really just uh, essentially ignored. I, and I don't know if that's has to do with John Gruden and, and just wanting to avoid that situation <laughs> or, or or what it might be. But but Lynch has been. Uh, pretty consistent this season already, especially when they've been in the games. Uh, they've had a couple of, of blowout losses and he's kind of been phased out in those, but Collins. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Collins, which, which hurts because he's a guy I was chasing this off season and, and you just can't, can't rely on him at all at this point. And 
speaking of a guy that you chased in the offseason, and, and Goody, I, I want to hear from you on this one too. But I, Ryan, I think I followed you down the rabbit hole on Amari Cooper, and I mm. still, if we're going to stay in Oakland, and I still kind of love him, and I still want to pursue him. His extension is coming in and reflecting his lack of production. So he's he's only at about thirteen million per year. He's only asking for a two year extension. Um, I I don't know. I still I still I'm like it's like Tinkerbell. I want to clap and believe, you know, like I want him to come back. So like, are you are you still going out and buying him? Would you find yourself that you're still in the buyer's market on Cooper? Yeah, anything for Amari hasn't worked out too well lately. And uh, it it hurts. It really does, because I do still believe in the talent. uh, And I I can't figure this one out. I'm not sure what's going on uh, there in Oakland to to really cause him to struggle. I don't think we can blame Gruden as much as some people might want to do that, because we saw essentially the same thing last year. But regardless of that, in the RSO format, I'm probably not buying, honestly, because I, I still think this is um, – I, I still like him long-term. If we're talking uh, typical dynasty, no contracts, no salaries, then absolutely I'm trying to buy low. In the RSO format, it, it's much different. He's He probably does have uh, – even with the the drop you mentioned, or at least not, not the increase that we might have expected um, – He's he's still pretty costly, and he's a guy that you really just can't start at this point. Yeah, and partner Goody, I this is one of those rare players. As I rack my brain, I literally have no idea what you think about Cooper or where you come down on this. Are you are you on Team Amari, or are you are you staying away from him? I, I I'm staying away now. I, I mean, fourteen million dollars is is like something that you can kind of take some shots at some younger guys like for a fraction of that um, and, and maybe get similar production. I mean, granted, you have to wait till the next offseason or something else. I I think that, that you're thinking about this like a chess player with the opportunity cost of what he will become, what Cooper, you know, what his ceiling is at this point. And, and unfortunately, I just, I, I, I don't like enough. I feel like you can just kind of, peg a, a more boring guy in for him and get better production. Sounds good. Fair enough. And let's go hypothetical because as you say, not everybody has all these players in their roster. So Goody, we'll start with you. Uh, in terms of buying into, into an offense or selling away from an offense, but if is there one player, if I'm like, look, this extension is going to be four years, $40 million. Can you tell me one player that you're absolutely going to buy, you just have to do it. Like you have to bite the bullet, make the tough decision, as as our C as our CEO talks about it at Reality Sports Online. This, these these are meant to be heart rending decisions for a GM to give somebody that much money. What's your one player that you're willing to drop whatever it takes for an extension on at this point? Like so, like a, a four year, like just call it like if it was this was the NBA, like a max deal. Right. Exactly. And it, um, and it can be your belief in an offense. It can be your belief in a talent. But I think this is where we get to. We ought to play a little bit and show people how far we'd be willing to go in the RSO format on a given player. Yeah, I, I mean, hmm. I, I I tend to do I tend to do this with receivers more than anything. I, I mean, I, I I I still really like McCaffrey. I think he's the one guy at the running back position that I'm get that I'm given four years and. And I'm thinking about 40 million if I if I had to. Um, 
you know, I've already signed OBJ in the writers' league to a forty million dollar year deal before, and I'll have a decision to make when that comes up for extension on what that really looks like. And and his extensions, I think, at thirty million dollars is 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 still kind of good value depending on what league you're in, your dynamics, and what the auctions are looking at. But I think if it, if it's a running if it's a running back, it's McCaffrey. I think if it's if it's a receiver, I I think. I think I'm liking DeAndre Hopkins at, at the receiver position. If it's a tight, if it's a tight end, which obviously is less money or whatever, I'm not necessarily giving a huge deal to a quarterback, um, even in superflex. Like you know, that's a different story. But if it's a tight end, I'm I'm giving maybe fifteen twenty million dollars a year to Zach Ertz. Listen, I can't find fault with much of what you said. I would say that as an owner, as a general manager in general, I would not be using my four-year extension or my extension at all on a tight end. I don't know what position like that, but um, but those are. I, I think you. I like where you're going. OBJ, DeAndre Hopkins, like C Mac. Those are all fine. Ryan, how about you? Is there any? Are there any players that you now would characterize yourself as the head of their fan club and willing to like go all in on them? Yeah, I've got a few, and, and probably none of these will be surprising. But I, I would agree with McCaffrey, first of all, at the running back spot. He he would be one. And the great thing about all of these guys that I'm thinking about is, is I talked earlier about maybe hesitating to build around those young, young players. These guys are all young, but they're already producing at an elite level. And I think those, when you're talking – uh, a max type deal in RSO. Those are the ones you want to look at. You're not, it's not a David Johnson situation where you're, you're thinking eh, he's going to be 30 at the end of this. Uh, these guys will all, or we would at least expect them to all be in their prime still. So uh, McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, uh, and then at, at the receiver spot, Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith, Schuster, I love all four of those guys. I wish, uh, I wish I had them all on every team. That's fascinating. That's and and I guess I shouldn't be taken aback having listened to you. I I find myself to be more reticent. I guess like a real GM, guys that I still like find questionable in terms of their like love of the game or character issues or things like that. So, I, well, I'd be with you all in on Juju. I'd be like buying that guy everywhere. I just think he's fascinating and fun. It would be harder for me to buy in on some other guys that I think like I'm not sure what they're doing with their off seasons and like how they're acting and things like that. So that's, that's fair. I think that's cool. And a really interesting thing um, to go there. I think, I think you guys named the running backs. I'd probably be most comfortable with, with the exception of I, and it's, it's the softball, but I think Todd Gurley for sure would be one that I would also extend yeah. without, without any reticence at, at four years. And I think this, you, you guys have done a good job clarifying and crystallizing for our listeners I think you ought to be using your extension feature for the most part. If you have one of these players on a top 20, top 25 type dynasty player, precisely because you're always going to get, be able to flip that for other assets and get a return on value. Um, Goody, what do you think about using it on a more speculative, like low level level player? Have you ever found yourself doing that in your years in the RSO leagues or, or do you almost always use it for a top tier type talent? Right. I mean, this being year two, I, I mean, I'm trying to use it or use as many of these assets as I have. I mean, to be honest with you, I think the most fun part of RSO is the auction. So something like these extensions kind of paints people into more restrictive and then free agency isn't as, as fun, so to speak. But your Dynasty League team may be better for it, <laughs> basically, especially if you've picked well over, over time. Um, 
I think, I mean, seeing as we're only two years into it, I mean, I, last year I used mine on an injured Allen Robinson because the two years, $11 million total was just a great deal. And then I basically kicked the can, um, franchise tagged Mike Evans and extended him in the offseason. So, and then traded him for the exact same contract for DeAndre Hopkins with 2.01 going away on my side because I just felt Hopkins was the be in the better situation, better receiver than Evans. And that's kind of been, you know, not necessarily a wash right now. Evans has had a strong start. But I, I think one thing I want to drive home that people maybe aren't thinking about, like my league was the one who kind of pushed Kyle and Matt for the transparency on the extension offers. Because, you know, every like I'm from the everything's an asset camp. I want everyone else to have transparency into what my offers are. So that like this year I, on my on my team, I, like because I use that Hopkins thing in the franchise extend, I don't have an in-season extension to use. That said, I have a player like Stefan Diggs who's very attractive to somebody else's dynasty asset. And I'd like to get appropriate value for that, even though I can't extend them myself because another team can. So I so I, I think that you know you have to be looking at this lens like kind of strategically and think a couple moves ahead on you know not only managing your player cycles and how you can maximize that extension cycle and the rookie contracts and everything else, but how to get value for those guys that you are going to lose otherwise. Because you know I don't think you want to perpetually be on the franchise tag extend cycle because then you're you're at least starting with paying a guy top five at the position and and eventually that catches up to you. For sure. And Ryan, I feel like we could draw on your expertise in particular um, in terms of avoiding getting stuck in that cycle. So imagine you don't have one of these elite talents. Is there a guy outside the top 50 on your DLF ADP right now <coughs> where you would be, you would say, this is the guy that you want to extend? Like a guy that might be a little bit deeper. We're still not talking an obscure player, but someone that you're like, here's my, here's who I think you guys ought to go extend perhaps outside of that top tier. Yeah. The, the guy who really stands out to me that, uh, that I've been a believer in, uh, I guess, over, over this past year, uh, and, and he's playing well th this season, is Austin Eckler. Uh, so certainly in uh, a unique spot playing behind Melvin Gordon. He's never going to overtake Gordon. That's, that's, that's not his game, first of all, but uh, we, we recognize the talent of Gordon. But we also recognize that, that Chargers offense and how productive it is on a weekly basis. Um, if I could lo lock up Eckler long-term and, and I would hope the contract would be uh, maybe a value though with the numbers he's putting up, it might not be as cheap as I would hope. Uh, but, but I would like to do that. Sounds great. Goody, do you have any other questions for this like fine gentleman that we have in front of us for a few more minutes? Like, is, is there anything else you want to pick on him about? Yeah, just for our, for our listeners, Eckler's going for about three years, sixteen million a year right now, based on his current production. So that's wow. that's kind of a speculative kind of high price. I, I do I do like the player, and in redraft leagues, I have him wherever I can. Um, Ryan, we've talked a lot about a lot of guys you're high on. Who who are who are maybe you and maybe the dynasty community? Who do you think like are players that are that people are giving giving up on or or like the 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 shine is starting to come off? I mean, we've talked about Cooper, but can you talk about either some guys maybe at the quarterback position or 
or like where where are you with like Leonard Fournette based on the the injuries? Um, like in in a, a guy like Doug Baldwin, who everybody seemed to love this year in the off season, and now now he's kind of on that fringe where like you know even though the Seahawks have have warned people that they were going to turn into a running team. I don't think anyone really seemed to believe it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's tough with guys like Baldwin because because of his age, uh, because of his offense, honestly, once he stops producing, when you're talking dynasty, the, the value is going to fade really quickly. He's not, uh, he's not insulated like Cooper is. Cooper's insulated with that age, with the high draft capital that he has. Baldwin is a guy who we just finally started to come around on and accept because he was an undrafted free agent. And now that he's struggling, it's, it could get ugly uh, as far as his dynasty value. Uh, I, I think there's a, a few at quarterback that people are starting to give up on uh, that, that could certainly turn it around. Mitch Trubisky is one that comes to mind. Um, so many people made the, Bears, Rams, Trubisky, Jared Goff uh, connection this offseason and just expecting them with, with their new coach, with a lot of new weapons on that offense to, to take a big step forward. And, and I think they have, but he hasn't been, he hasn't been Jared Goff. So there's, there's some disappointment, some frustration there. Uh, and Derek Carr, I think, still fits that, fits that mold that he's, he's a, player that dynasty owners are frustrated with and, and concerned with for sure. Yeah. Those are two players I, uh, that I've bought in standard dynasty leagues. Fortunately, most of the time they're on rookie contracts still, or, or just on, if they were bought at auction, they were bought depending on where they, whether they were bought at the crest of the Derek cars and for MVP wave or whether they were bought at the, like the nadir of his like, ah, Derek Carr is terrible. And he, now he's hanging out with John Gruden uh, I think like those are good names, and I, I, I do. Again, I guess I, I'm, this is like the the virtual embrace of of what you have to offer, Ryan. I think I still kind of believe in Gruden and Cooper and Derek Carr. I think they might actually turn that ship around at some point. Like, and if nothing else, it's a bit of a funnel offense. It, Cooper just hasn't been getting the targets, but right, unfortunately, it's been Jared Cook out of nowhere. But like they like they, uh, but certainly we can do that. Uh, what do you think, Goody? Any more dynasty advice you want while you're while you're hanging here? Yeah, I, I have to I have to get on my high horse looking at this extension data for a little bit and just kind of ask some folks what they're doing. I mean, five extensions of Doug Baldwin, two years, thirty three point eight million, sixteen point nine million average. I, I mean, kind of like you know the 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 game script of what that offense is doing. Him not being healthy that's one thing. I mean, the the folks who who still kind of are ha, have unicorns and rainbows of Josh Gordon. I think, and especially in dynasty with a contract based league. I mean, another five extensions, thirty one point two five million, fifteen point six average. I'm just you know, I spend the money on on a guy that's established or has upside. You know, not a guy who you know with one misstep or one mispractice in in the Patriots could be out of the league. Um, those are those are a couple that I you know I'm kind of curious about. On the other side, we saw some we saw ten combined extensions for Marquez Valdez Scantling and Philip Lindsay. You know, in the, in week one, um, Scantling Valdez Scantling bit two years, four million a year. Philip Lindsay people gave five extensions at an average of four years, sixty two million. 
to 15.5. I mean, that sample size is really small for me. The draft capital invested in Royce Freeman. I, you know, I love what Lindsay's done so far, but I just, I mean, are you really giving a guy like that four years on just that, that small sample size being an undrafted free agent? I, I mean, I think that, you know, like what Ryan said, the pedigree does matter at, at a certain point when you're paying, you know, RSO dollars. Uh, I will 100% agree. When I was looking over some of these numbers, I, I was shocked to see uh, the Lindsay contract and extension. Yeah. Just just blown away that he's averaging 15, uh, 15 million a year. And, and it is relatively small sample size, five, five extensions, as you mentioned. Uh, but wow, I'm, I'm not ready to pay him that kind of contract. If you're talking... Um, Again, percentage, which is kind of how I view these things. He's getting a bigger percentage than Galladay. Yeah, that's intense. And uh, and I, I would echo what you guys said. I would cape up a little bit, given that it's not Dynasty and it's only two years on Doug Baldwin. I, I fear you could have another good season or two out of him. And so I think I think I would be comfortable with that extension for sure. I think the one that that gives me the most pause is is paying Hunter Henry over four years, six <laughs> million a year. I. The only reason I say that is because outside of three, maybe four tight ends, I feel like you could pay the minimum and just call it a day. Like, I, I don't know. That's just how I build a team. Like, if you're not getting one of those three big names, I'm not sure that I want to be paying those other guys to, to kind of wait around to see if they turn out, right? So that's that's more where I'm at on him. But, Ryan, this leads me to – this is fascinating for you as someone whose name has always rung in my head as being synonymous with, like, listening to pods and kind of – rolling through the dog days of summer. Uh, my question for you is, is what would you make fantasy? What would you build a fantasy league around if football didn't exist? How would you draw your community together and, and bring people together if football in a world absent football? Yeah, that would, that would be a sad world. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think Matthew Berry probably beat me to the punch with my answer. He's, he's got the fantasy movie league which I participate in and, and really enjoy. I'm a, a big movie guy. So maybe I would just uh, pivot from that and, and go with television. That's, that's one way, kind of like you said, getting through the off season and still enjoying this, this community that we've built in, in leagues and on Twitter and things like that, but not necessarily focused on football all day, every day, like, like we have to be right now. So we we've done, movie and TV drafts and things like that, which, which have been a lot of fun, just getting some discussion going. So uh, if anything, I would, I would go with TV shows. Awesome. Awesome. Well, many thanks to you. You're one of the voices that, that prompted me to like start reading more and writing more and getting more into this game that we love. Um, I think your character stands out as someone who was always responsive on Twitter. As you say, go looking for Ryan. He usually will respond to you if he can. And uh, you were always drew, draw people into, uh, and everybody can participate, right? You can go and participate in these dynasty league um, football drafts, the mock yeah. drafts over the course yeah. of the year, and help build that ADP, ADP that the rest of us rely on. And like, and the way that you that you talk about your son, my own little brother is a special Olympian, so I, uh, that's near and dear to my heart too. Many of his best friends uh, rock that world, and makes me happy to see how you advocate for people. I just love the the character that you bring to the community. So keep that up. You should be lauded for that, and and thank you for for kind of paving the way for those of us that are coming here. So what do you think, Goody? Uh, yeah, I want to echo Luke's sentiments. I, I mean, Ryan, this has been one of my favorite podcasts, and really appreciate that you that you came on, and hope to have you on in the future. 
Um, just love what you do for the Dynasty community and just an overall, you know, what's great about the fantasy community is just how good of the people we've encountered, people such as yourself and some other guests we've had. So we're really grateful for, with the Dynasty lens on things and specifically, you know, people embracing the reality sports online format of being the kind of the NFL GM experience. So, uh, you know, can't can't say enough good things. Um, appreciate all the insights today and um, look forward to picking your brain in the future. And where can people find you if they want to send you greetings and salutations um, after this podcast drops? Uh, sure. You can find me on, on Twitter at RyanMC23. Uh, and, and like you said, I, I do try to respond to everybody, uh, you know, as far as questions or, or anything else. So uh, definitely appreciate you guys having me on. Appreciate the kind words. That's, uh, that's really, really humbling. So thank you for that. And Goody, where they go to look for you, sir? Well, they could look for us at the top of the standings of the podcast league. Um, <laughs> have to get that in again. Um, can also look for me like cowering in a corner after losing to bitter rival Mark Pesavento this week. But um, you can find me at Matt Goody two on Twitter. And I'll be at Fantasy Doc Ock again. Well, well, you can go look at the top of the standings for the Scott Fishbowl. Still rocking the top 10. That's been fun. And speaking of a way that all of us can give back to the community, uh, every year that Fantasy Cares thing is a great thing to do. And I can't endorse another pillar of the community, Scott Fish, enough for, for doing that. So, gentlemen, Ryan, thank you for coming out. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll, we'll hope you scratch your itch to become a GM and the, the Madden stuff. Once again, we'll pull you back into reality sports online at some point. And uh, you guys have a great night.